Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. Uh, no Dave Cowan again this week, but we do have, having just coincidentally walked in after two whole weeks, Andy Riley and Kevin Cecil. Hello, Andy and Kevin. Hello. 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 Uh, Andy and Kevin have written episodes of Veep and Black Books, and they created uh, BBC Two's Hyperdrive and also The Great Outdoors, and that is what we are going to be talking about in a much more sitcom episode. Okay. The last one, if you go back... Uh, listeners, you will find it a bit more about how they got going and writing partnerships and that kind of stuff. This time we're talking about sitcoms. Andy gives the secret of comedy. Oh, they um, give the secret of comedy yeah, as so, well. Yeah, it's very painful, it's definitely there. Yeah, you might have to listen to it backwards, but that might it's work. in there. It's in there. Let's start with Black Books. How did you end up writing Black Books? We had done a little bit of a Paul K pilot, which I don't think ever actually saw the light of day. Um, for Big Talk and Naira Park Uh, so she knew a bit about it and um, Black Books had just so what was it tell me about the Paul Keynes pilot what was it Um, can't remember much about it now but it it was a sketch show okay sketch show yeah Yeah, kind of character stuff yeah Um, and uh, Black Books had been on the telly I'd I'd enjoyed it very much Um, it was written by um, uh, the first series was Graham Linhan and Dylan we had contributed one line in the first series where we were working on the Armando Inucci shows at Tallback Productions. Graham was working downstairs. He, this before T could ask Twitter these things. This <laughs> <laughs> 99. He walked up the stairs and he says, uh, I, I, want, um, I need a pun for um, uh, a porn film version of The Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> and Kevin said, oh, the, the Bitches of Madison County. And he went, great. And he went downstairs. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that made one episode. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that, that was our, our sole contribution. Then uh, uh, Graham stopped writing for, for Black Books, um, and Dylan didn't really fancy handling all the writing by himself. So we came in and did two episodes of Series 2 and all of Series 3. I think we were asked in for a meeting, and so we, you know, this is maybe a bit of a tip, but we just came in with an enormous number of ideas. Oh, now this, so is it was in, lo- this is important. I was thinking about this earlier on. And sorry to divert. No, this is good. Into advice for writers. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you don't want any of that. Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Um, Something that we especially used to do in the 90s. Now, now we play meetings a little bit cooler. <laughs> the 90s, we, uh, no one knew who we were. So, and we were young whippersnappers. And so that, that wasn't going to work. So most people, for most meetings, have no idea what they're going to say in the order they're going to say it. They don't prepare. We always would. And we would overwhelm people with the sheer number of ideas that we were bringing in. Two people going to kind of rat tat 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 We'd love bombing them. And probably yeah. they, a lot of them would just sick of us by the end of the meeting. That's, but that's but how, we, would got, work. That's how yeah. we got on the Friday Night Armistice. Yeah, it is. Arm had like no ideas what he was going to do on, the, on, on that show. And we, at that point, early point, he hadn't given any thought. We came in and just went... Yeah, how about this, how about yeah. this, how about We this? did the same to get um, at Seamus Cassidy to get the, uh, the Channel 4 sitcom festival. I think check I... The, check a previous podcast for that. Um, and and it, it very frequently worked. So my 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 advice is put a lot of attention into meetings. They really matter. And we should say that Armando had a lot of the ideas on the Armistice as well as us. But we yeah. just no, came in and impressed him yeah. with, with, that we were working hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Armando is listening to this. Yeah. Show. <laughs> yeah. Also, also my, my strategy then was to, no, that was only the, like the very early yeah. stage. My strategy then as well was to um, uh, to dress as sharp as I could. So it, it being the 90s, I was wearing three button mod suits. I had a purple one, a uh, green one, and a red one. 
And sometimes you'd walk into a room and they'd, you're generally sort of pitching to a, a crumpled sort of guy aged about 41 or something in a, in a nondescript grey shirt. And you could you'd sense a little bit of alarm that they thought, wow, is this part of some new wave of like of sharp-dressed, really together writers? Oh, well, we better hire one of these people. So there, that's, that's some advice. Uh, yeah, that is very Give it all advice. in the yeah. yeah, think about it in advance. Work out what you want out of it. Um, you know, obviously, you want a, a series commission out of it. That's yeah. not going to happen, but how can you get there? Yeah. How can you... Let's go back to Bite Books. Yes, please. Um, so, how... so basically, we, um, from the, f- for, um, the second series, we, 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 yeah, we sort of, we did. And then we got to co-write two episodes with Dylan. Dylan wrote a couple on his own. Uh, Arthur, oh, Arthur did one with Dylan and we did two with Dylan and then for the third series they asked us to co-write all of them so that's what we did and how does it work um, in terms of because I think increasingly anyone wanting a career as a sitcom writer get used to writing with the star of the show yeah yeah. because writer performance shows are mm. even more common now yeah. than they were back well, then Sky don't seem to have any other model for commissioning a show that seems to be all they do. Oh, no, apart from Trolley. Trolley, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But no, but, but in general, BBC One's big hits of the last few years have been Miranda, um, uh, Mrs Brown's Boys, and Not Going Out. Mm. And the star of the show is yes. the head writer in all of those. Mm. What did you learn about being the well, about I, writing for someone who's actually well, in I, the show? I think it really depends on that person. And, and with Dylan, you know, Dylan's a genius at what he does and can just put a completely different spin on whatever you've written and has his own way of use of language that isn't like anyone else's. No. But it really sort of depends, but he was like happy for us to go write and write initial drafts of yeah. the episodes that we, we did. We'd do the first two or three drafts, and then Dylan would do a bit, and then we'd sort of play tennis with it until, until it was the recording day. But we would... Dylanise it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we would... Um, always go through the story with him so play the story yeah. of him not necessarily beat the whole thing out with him but you know have a meeting or two yes so it wasn't like we were giving him surprises no. when we had his script to him we'd, we'd agreed the story with him yeah but, but my I've, surprises in terms of jokes oh you yeah. think so yeah. but well, I think for certain other performers you might like be kind of more like facilitating their vision of what the story is or what the series is. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's it depends on what that person. It, no, it certainly does. From my experience, so with writing for Miranda, for example, um, I found that she had lots of her own ideas, and uh, it was a question of making her ideas work. Yes. Yeah. Getting her ideas to come yeah. to life rather than we we pitched some of our own, but actually she had a lot of confidence in her own ideas. That's fair enough. She's out there selling it. She's doing the business. So we found that for her, it worked just mm. to yeah. work with her sort of stuff. Um, yeah, whereas with um, Dylan, we could come in and say, what if they write a children's book? And he would like that. So, you know, it was obviously, he's he gets the final say in everything. And that was presumably a pretty big gig for you at the time. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. What did you, can you remember roughly what changed you as writers from that? What did you learn? What did you, you know, what? Well, what, what was nice is that by the end, I thought, right, we have got, you know, because we hadn't before this stage done a whole six episode run of, yeah. a, of a sitcom. And so doing that, I thought, oh, that's good. We, we're, we're proper writers, I thought, at the end of this. So this, 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 is, this is the stuff that, that I wanted us to do. Um, what did we learn? Um, 
don't know, do rewrites. That's the same as everything. <laughs> yeah. Do more rewrites. Were you present at filmings and rehearsals and everything? At, or how yeah, not, not rehearsals the whole time, but um, in and out of rehearsals. Did you run F- in that sort of tech run sort of thing? Or? Yeah. yeah, some of that. And, and, you know, we went to the recordings. Yeah. Although by the time the recordings are, it's too late to do anything. Really. I think it's there like, well, might thing. be the one or two things, but there wasn't a lot changed. No, it's a myth. I think and in I general, think... the changing stuff on the night is a little bit of a myth. Even in America, rewriting Friends at the last minute, I believe those stories have been largely exaggerated. Sorts of exaggerated. Uh, I, don't... I can assure you that there have been the scenes that we have been rewriting as they've been filmed. That may be true when you're filming them, but not in front of an audience. No, I think it's largely made up. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, huddles of writers and stuff. It's just, there, there was a particular quirk of Dylan's, though, that there would always be about three, maybe four lines in the script that he would do differently every single time. And, and so he was actually improvising the line at the moment. And there's, there's one particular line where, where it's quite clear at the start of it that he doesn't know how it's going to end but it ends really well and he goes, he goes to Manny don't make me be sick into my own scorn <laughs> <laughs> which is just, makes no sense whatsoever but it's exactly the right thing for Bernard Black to say and so there would always be a few bits like that that he would just keep just to keep it, keep it and the audience love that of course oh they do because it feels so fresh on the night doesn't yeah. it um, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything to do with the scene where they're writing a children's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. I was. I, I posted a link to that scene the other day, um, and it's just the his irrational. He, you know, his, his. You see, that's based on a, at the very end where he just yeah. goes, "No, no, yeah. this is." Yeah, so, some of that is based on someone who we won't say who it is. Yeah, but it's <laughs> based on a writer. It's based on. It's based on. It's all, it's one all idea ruins it yeah. the whole thing so yeah. so let's say who it is but it's based on being in ideas sessions okay. with one person okay. who is just get very very passionate about it okay, and he's going why why that's did great, you care about great. it that much? and his best friend yeah. is an elephant no, no. Yeah. yeah in that scene yeah we were just determined to make Bernard do everything wrong about the creative process yeah, yeah. and it was, it was fun to do that it's almost the only time that we've actually done writing about writing yeah yeah you know, because you're, you're on very thin ice yeah. there normally yeah. but because it's about a, a children's picture book it feels quite if, yes. it, it felt okay to do yeah, that absolutely. Not normally my, all my alarms go off for that yeah thing. yeah there are it's um, it, it's it's a should sound so um, you went from there um, to hyperdrive Mm-hmm. So um, tell me about how, how did Hyperdrive come out? How did those bit of a gap? I'm trying to work out time wise. Uh, well, let's oh. see. The, we made. Um, so this is this is the long term memory thing coming in. So. Oh great! We so. we made Black Books in late 2003. Hyperdrive. We did a pilot of at the end of 2003 in December, and then we made Hyperdrive in the first series in 2005. What we were doing in 2004, I can't recall. Probably <laughs> writing quite a lot. Right, there was quite a lot. There was a gap. There was a gap because BBC didn't have enough money. And so uh, there was at least a six-month gap while they looked for more money back the, around the back of the sofa, which was a shame because it meant that instead of coming out before Doctor Who, we came out after Doctor Who. Because when, basically, I think the BBC thought, oh, we haven't had a science fiction sitcom on for a while. Um, and so they asked a bunch of people to pitch them ideas and they liked our idea uh, but they didn't know about Doctor Who at the time they right. didn't know Doctor Who was going to be rebooted 
I see. So, because it was quite a long time before that, wasn't it? Yeah, and presumably yeah. it was a different department of BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah, didn't yeah, tell yeah, them. Yeah, so a comedy team. No, why would they? It's well, a loose federation yeah. of warring tribes yeah. at best. Was that was the science fictionness of it something you were particularly keen to do, or was it more? Oh, yeah. here's an opportunity. Well, no, no, we were very keen to do the science fiction. It's actually the second science fiction sitcom that we thought up. We uh, we made a pilot one at LWT in 1997, and nobody's ever seen. Uh-huh. Yeah, which actually didn't come out that well, so that was all right. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what, what, so, what lessons did you learn from that? Uh, I'm we we, we, did, we, we didn't fancy doing the. That was an audience. Yeah, show. we didn't fancy doing science fiction in front of a studio audience again. We thought, no, we want to go for a different style for this. Um, and so, and not only. Did it? Did we make it, and it didn't quite work in the UK? Someone then ripped us off and made it in the US in front of a studio audience, and that didn't quite work either. <laughs> no. So it was. It so was, that actually made that really made us think. Okay, we, let's not do it that way. Yeah. Um, so then it was really just. I, I fancied this this idea of a sort of a forces comedy in space, really somewhere between Dad's Army and Battlestar Galactica. Okay. That was that was the idea. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No, and um, um, what? And so, what did you learn through that show in terms of? Because this is your own. So you've gone from Black Books, yeah. which is grafting onto somebody else's show, yeah. to right. Okay, guys, you are literally creating a universe. You know, how was that? How how did you feel about oh, that? I love, love creating the universe. Um, there was um, uh, there was. I was very keen on doing designs of spaceships, and <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's quite a lot of art. The, the the Camden Lock, which is the main spaceship, was was. More or less my design, but oh, we, we passed on to a company um, run by a fellow called Neil Bushnell, who is I met the other day again, and uh, he's now a children's author. Oh. Um, but the person who did the initial one, oh, yeah. the person who did the test for the, who did the first ever Camden Lock that I still got on my computer, was Gareth Edwards, who's now um, directing the new Star Wars film. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, who did Godzilla mm. and Monsters. Wow. He did, he did the first yeah. ever Camden Lock test. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you one thing that, that I, I learned. Is that you... Making a show is always a, is a process. If you have a vision at the start, there's certain things that you shouldn't compromise, but there's other things that you sort of should. Um, and the, one of the main characters uh, was called Chloe Teal. And we wrote her a certain way. And in the pilot that we did, um, we, uh, we got Miranda Hart in. Now, Miranda at this point was still temping. Um, she was not, not a big star at this time. Um, and we just fell in love with her window for this little sort of 10 minute taster that was made. Um, and so when it came to the. We completely rewrote the character for what Miranda was doing. Um, and so it was. The, the character of Teal then became a, a sort of a more uptight version of the Miranda that people know from the show Miranda. Yeah. A much more wound up, really. Um, and so we, we completely did it and thought, well, we'll get the first call when we make this to get Miranda back. And there was an executive at the BBC who said, well, obviously, you know, we'll need to recast this and we're getting rid of um, <laughs> What are you even saying? <laughs> so we had to persuade, imagine this, we had to persuade the BBC to cast Miranda Hart in because we thought, well, she'll just be great in this. And, uh, and she, she was. Yeah, and she was. She was, and she, she was um, you know, a, a very successful character in that. And, um, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, that was, we, we had, got her out of temping. <laughs> wow. quite, yeah, it was, um, it's a big, it was a big deal for her, I guess. I, I think it was. That to I, yeah. virtually a lead. Yeah, you know, I mean, pretty, pretty much a co-lead, you know, by, yeah. by the second series, really, with, with Nick. 
Because um, that pretty much. Cause it, and it, Kevin, I mean, no, I think we saw the other three of them. The show yeah. of series one slightly more towards. Because I guess in series one, you just don't quite know what yeah. the show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you do, yeah. and you make it, and sometimes the show turns out to be three feet to the left of where you thought it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. There's just, so many ver- oh, there's just so many variables, it's infinite, and everything's got to be right, you know. Everything's got to work, that's the thing. Well, and, or at least the stuff that doesn't work needs to not matter. Yeah. Mm. And the stuff that does work, yeah. you need to be able to sort of amplify in the future. Yeah, and you have to have the right cast, and the cast have to get on with each yeah. other, and there has to be right chemistry yeah, between it's, it's the cast. All, it's all mind-bendingly complicated, um, constructing your own sitcom. It's, it's the most ridiculous piece of brain training that you, yeah. can, that you can get. That's why when I like to do like behave like an idiot when I'm on holiday and read stupid books and, and, <laughs> and not, not do anything too mentally demanding because creating sitcoms is so difficult. It's, yeah. a, it's a huge feat. Yeah, well, it's, even, even that's why it's really hard. Work. That's why <laughs> when I'm you know watching TV with my wife in the evening, sometimes I just think. I have to watch something that is... Can we just watch River Cottage? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get that. I want someone who's just cooking. I don't want anyone yeah. to tell me a story yeah. so that I, I don't know, judge I was, whether it works or not. Sometimes I think it's really stupid that if you've had a really hard day, like, working on story, and then you feel really tired in the evening, and you go, well, but I haven't actually been lifting anything. Yeah, exactly. I haven't run a marathon. physically knackered. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. Um, what... Uh, so you learned about... So I guess you were experiencing for the first time on that show how a show basically takes on its own. Yeah, yeah, you, so yeah. you have to write for what's going on in front of you. Yeah. Um, uh, and also the audience, obviously, whether the audience take for it or not, you know, that has a lot to do with it. And I think Which is harder if it's a non-audience show, actually, yeah. to some extent. Did you find that? I mean, because in one sense, you sort of know how you're doing even though the show at home is broadcast in front of an audience. Well, I don't know. I think, if, I think with an audience show from the first series where the people haven't seen it, I think, by week four, people you know, would, yeah. at home will have a completely different reaction. Yeah. 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 And also, studio audiences are the weird, weirdest thing. I mean, the, one of the best studio audiences I ever sat in was... Uh, I wouldn't say what the name of the show was, but um, it's... It, it didn't do well with right. the viewers at all. But the episode that I saw in front of the studio audience was a it was belting. Yeah. And I watched most of the series and I think it was the best episode. But when in the studio audience I thought, well I know the studio audience is not necessarily any guide, but this this feels like a hit. And, the, and, yeah. one, and the worst studio audience I've ever sat in was for I'm Alan Partridge. Really? Where it was a really hot day, really hot summer's evening, and the sets were were completely enclosed. You were actually just looking at wooden boxes on the stage because that was the look that Armando wanted but it made it very difficult to be in the studio audience so and by, by, the end, by the end 75% of the audience had left um, and then when it's on TV it was a terrible experience being in the audience when it's on TV when it's all put together everyone was saying this is the best sitcom since <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone thought it was rubbish no, it, it was, was just it was just yeah, no yeah, yeah whereas the radio series People were going by week six dressed as Alan Partridge. Yeah, that was wonderful. That and you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a great audience to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine. Um, you uh, wanted to move on to talk about The Great Outdoors uh, in a second. But, uh, so Hyperdriver, your two series, were you hoping to do more? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, how, how did that ending... I mean, I just had my own series cancelled. Yeah. The, the, the ratings were okay, but they needed it to punch... Punch through to to a higher level that we didn't get. You to. need to break out, yeah. and yeah. it didn't break out. 
yeah. really. Um, it did, you sort of know, I guess, don't you? You know, yeah. there's, there's just a lot of things. You, do, you know, it got, you know, Miranda was nominated for the Best Newcomer in the Comedy Awards and lost to Charlotte Church. Yeah, you know, she, all of these Miranda things where... Miranda's still know. sore about that. <laughs> she, she will mention this in interviews. Yeah. Um, the fact that Charlotte Church um, uh, was primarily known for singing. In fact, when she actually won Comedy Award in the end, Miranda, a few years later, she, she made sure to mention that <laughs> but, <laughs> in I mean, her speech. But, but um, so, you know, one of those things, one of those things that happened than the maybe people would have interviewed Miranda we've got more publicity from the yeah, second yeah. series whereas no one wanted to interview her yeah, yeah. Uh, and Nick was busy so he didn't do much publicity so from the second series so it was just a lot of those like yeah. little things where the things have to come together yeah so so actually you know we were getting like 1.1 million and that now would be not bad but it wasn't enough you know you need to get it needs to break out be here yeah no it's frustrating I mean speaking of other frustrating experiences the great outdoors um, which was a which mm. I, I just love the Great Outdoors three little episodes on BBC yeah. See, that, Four, that for me around. wasn't a frustrating experience because we got to make a show that yeah. I really really loved but for me it's frustrating as a viewer because I'm watching it going well if you don't put this on at 9 o'clock on BBC One mm. and commission six more episodes of it what's the point well this this is an interesting thing the um, the Great Outdoors for those that don't know was it was only 2010 there were only three episodes and it stars Ruth Jones and Mark Heap and Catherine Parkinson. Yeah, why would you want them? Yeah, yeah. Why would you want them? Um, Stephen White. Uh, Stephen, Stephen White. Stephen White, who I work with on Blue Stone, is very yes. funny. Yes, um, and, and lots, of, lots of good people. And uh, we actually, it's about a rambling club. Now, we actually wrote this with BBC One in mind. Because our sort of thinking was, well, what's country file? That's a whole hour of people wandering around looking at the countryside. Uh, and that's BBC One material. Put some jokes in it. Why is that not BBC One? Someone at the BBC thought it was a bit niche because, well, we, we actually had a meeting with, before we sold it to the BBC at an independent production company because we wrote the script on spec. Um, and because uh, we didn't know that we could do it, I think. Yeah. I think okay. we thought because it wasn't a set or anything. We yeah, thought, yeah. well, actually, is anyone going to believe that we can actually do this? Yeah. So we thought. Well, we didn't have any other work to do, I think, that month. So we just thought, well, why don't we just do it? Yeah, we just yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. So, and so, so we took it to a, a very well-known independent production company, where a very well-known guy there said, said um, do people actually do this? Because he was a sort of comedy executive who just shuffles back and forth between Salford and London and hasn't really noticed the countryside, yeah. except that it flashes past him on the train. something that happens to other people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and the, 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 other, pro- the other problem there was that... Um, uh, Ruth's involvement was quite important for getting it made but then after we'd made these first three Sky came along and, uh, and, s- and said to Ruth look um, here, do you want to make as much Stella as you, as you ever want to make and of course she, she did that and, and you know, yeah. so, so she should have and I would have done the second yeah, position it, it did mean that, that we didn't quite have enough star power to, uh, to bring it back so, yeah, yeah. to get you over the line uh, which, was, which was annoying I don't know why really I don't know why they just didn't want it. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that we made free and it went on BBC, yeah. you know, it was That's on BBC Two, I mean, and people like it and have fond memories of it's it. It's easy for and, Sorry, sorry, and and you know, and we've written pilots that have never been made. So, and no one's got fond memories of, including <laughs> us. So, so you know, it's not. 
It's nice. I mean, I, I don't know. All the I bands think, I like, only you made one album and no one bought them. So <laughs> I, I think it's important because when, when a bunch of comedy writers get together, and obviously that's what's happened here, the three of us together, mm. the, the, the general tone of the conversation often turns towards <laughs> complaints. Complaints about the BBC, complaints about this, and complaints about this and that. And it's important to remember that if, you, if you're doing the job right, there, there is actually a lot of joy to be had in it. Yeah. And, the, and on a day when the actors are just nailing things that you've done it's just the best experience yeah. and and there was a lot of days like that on the great outdoors where I was just thinking I'm just like it's just like running through sometimes when it was literally like running through daisies because we were filming it in fields yeah. with daisies yeah. um, that was, it was a wonderful few weeks of filming. and even yeah even though it was presumably a fairly short shoot it was all on location again yeah, three did, weeks. did anything did anything does anything stand out or was just like oh okay you can do sitcoms this way or that way or was there anything that you sort of going forward not really. Well, well, what we did, did that one. It was the, it was the first time that we'd we'd done a, a narrative going from week to week, right? Um, where we're developing the the characters. Yeah, so that's true. It's, that's a, true, it's yeah. a different story. With, with Hyperdrive and, and Black Books, it was all kind of standalones. Yeah. Um, every, the the episodes could really. Be I think Hyperdrive would do differently now. I think we would do yeah, real yeah, kind there, of week there to week. Was, we would definitely do that's the, the, the thing that I would totally change about and also the thing about Hyperdrive is that the BBC were very keen for it not to be hardcore science fiction right. but it turned out that what people really wanted was hardcore science fiction so that was a, yeah, there was, a there weird were, there, we did have we did have restraining forces on it saying yeah. don't, don't put in too much like freaky science fiction meanwhile over on BBC One um, that well-known minority channel, Stephen <laughs> Moffat was was making like these impossible like conundrum stories, yeah, yeah, folding yeah, yeah. on themselves. And so I think love it. multi-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can I can well imagine. Um, so uh, great outdoors. We go on to you. Obviously, you've, you've written movies. Also, I saw actually on your CV that you had a swing at the uh, pirates events of the scientists oh we were involved in the storyline early on and we did one draft yeah drafts and then came in at the end and threw lots of jokes in so we sort of were likely involved in a lot of the process okay because yeah. I watched it again the other day with my kids and God, it's just a great movie isn't it it's, it's really lovely it's something annoys me that it's not held up higher by people it's like hey, this is proper proper funny on every level kind yeah, of yeah well maybe, maybe it will in time yeah I mean uh, it certainly like it'll last I think it really will last um, but uh, let's go on to Veep um, how did you end up getting pulled into uh, firstly so how, what, what have you done with Veep how did that come about and we uh, worked on from? two seasons of Veep season three and season four season four is just being broadcast in right. the UK at the moment the reason was that um, it being an American series there's a schedule to be hit yeah uh, work in some way on Veep is, is almost year round. Really, it kind of it starts editing and then and then begins shooting like almost the, the same time year on year. And um, uh, there was a little bit of a, 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 a problem. A window. Uh, there was a bit of an issue that Simon Blackwell uh, was doing trying again with uh, Chris mm. Harrison, and Tony was involved in uh, Fresh Meat. Tony Roach, that mm-hmm. is, and the, and those are like executive co-executive producers of um, of, of the and uh, do a lot of the writing. Um, so um, there's just a slot available. Yeah, yeah. Arm, arm needed people, yeah. and uh, he he, sounded the he, he knew us from years before. He he said um, uh, he said, oh, "Do you want to come and have lunch?" So we said, "We'll go and have lunch." And we we guessed what might happen. <laughs> 
to be honest. We thought well, there's a reason why I didn't want to think about it too long. It's a pretty big deal. Well, no, yeah. we made sure I made sure I watched all the episodes. Yeah, yeah. And think about um, it. So, so, it, it more, the, so you plan for it as well, yeah. even though yeah. Yeah. The, the tendering yeah. process more or less went like this. As Arm, as Arm was kind of chewing away at his burger, he said, <laughs> um, uh, "Would you like to write a couple of episodes?" Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. That was that was how it went, um, but that was <laughs> that, which is quite a nice way to do it. We, yeah. There was no there's no vetting or, or, or auditioning, but that's because we'd worked with him on yeah, different yeah, shows before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And chops and and so uh, did it involve going over there quite a lot? Yes, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So you were there for how long? Well, last year I was away for fifty three nights. Oh wow! And you, you, a bit you, less. Yeah. yeah. Married man with kids and has to number the nights. I know. Well, and you, how? Yeah, I can imagine that. It, it's not that. It's not that. It's that the, the, there's also a bonus. <laughs> yeah. The number of nights that you spend in America, so you actually need to submit a list of oh, nights away yes, to the agency. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and a year before it was like forty something. Yeah, so wow. it's quite quite a lot of travelling. Yeah, yeah. And what have you? You know, I mean, they do things differently there. Yes. Well, they do, but it's not. I and mean, we've worked in the States anyway and written pilots, but it's not. Honestly, it's not the American system. It's our Mando system. Yeah. Or it's a hybrid between the American system and our Mando system. So you can't really say, well, this is how they do things in America. Because yeah. actually, when you um, talk to, like, Americans about how we do the, they go, what? Yeah. So, you know, it's arm system that yeah, they, they've got schedules around the window. Uh, a, a standard American show, which is turning out what are you, two dozen episodes a year, they'll have a big sort of board on the wall and draft number three of such and such a script needs to be delivered on this day, and, right. then this day, and there's a sausage machine production line. Arm never really thinks like that. Um, How many are you making in a series? It's... They make ten. Okay. And I mean, there is obviously a schedule, and obviously you have to then, you're working always working towards these numbers of episodes and are going further and further down the line but because um hbo had and he's not the showrunner anymore so it will change and have a slightly different system now but they had total faith in him and they wanted to get the comedy that he can do deliver which he completely yeah. gave to them yeah. so, so to their credit they just said well what do you need armando here you go and they really don't come in and go um Oh no! You they don't have any. They don't have an exec there to to. No. Time, so it? they're not giving notes. Well, they, I mean, they at yeah. some point they have an input, but yeah, so so it's a very 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 heavily rewritten show with a lot of drafts, a huge number of drafts, and then rehearsals, improvising around the rehearsals. Yeah. There are more rewrites based on those, mm. and there are more rewrites. You have writers on set and you're rewriting the next day's sides or maybe a couple of days' time. And also, if a scene isn't quite working, you will rewrite that scene yeah. on the day. Or you might pitch well, in a joke ideas to jokes one, as well. There's one lovely 10-minute period, actually, in, uh, in the last season where there's um, uh, uh, a scene where uh, one character has to give some medals to some Girl Scouts. Right. And uh, well, it was originally seen as sew on badges, actually. But the props department had had a problem with sew-on badges for some reason. And so they'd come along with medals and they hadn't told people. Mm-hmm. So half the lines didn't work. And uh, there was a little bit of angst about this. And then we said, well, come, let's, let, we've got to earn our money. So while they were setting the shots up, um, <laughs> us and Simon Blackwell um, just went, okay, I think maybe Tony was there as well, um, went, okay, well, this line, this line, this line. And we, just, we wrote down about 10 jokes. And then handed them to uh, uh, Sarah Sullivan, the actress, and um, and she she did them magnificently well. That was a really good example of actors being useful on the set. Yeah. There's a prop problem. You need different jokes. You can have them in ten minutes. 
Yeah, we're not done yet. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Print. Okay, here you go. Yeah, that's um. So you might that sounds more like the Armando system from the from the thick of it. Oh, completely. Yeah, I've, it's it's a sort of a. I think it's an Armando. It's thick of it plus is yeah. what it is. It's like thick of it with but more resources. Yeah, yeah, with more oh, yeah, yeah. with more oh, resources. Yeah. resources. Yeah, it's when go. Doing, doing the, uh, Think a, of it, Max. Astonishingly yeah. well-resourced show, if you're used to anything on a British level. Yeah. Um, uh, because she is, um, uh, she's the Vice President of America, that, that job may, may change. If you're, if you're watching the early episodes, I'm not going to say what happens. Yeah. But anyway, Vice President of America. You need a lot of scenes with loads of people in. You need her to walk into a room with like 50 people in. Yeah. So... Some, some extras will be asked for, and they'll say, well, how many do you want? Um, uh, 120? Um, sure, we can get 120 uh, supporting artists, and they'll just be there. Um, you don't get that in Britain. See, we, we would write... Five. So, <laughs> Bluestone, we would sometimes write for a joke in the script. Um, you know, the Lieutenant Colonel stands up in front of 100 soldiers, right. and we wrote that in capital letters. Mm. Knowing full well that most people would laugh at it, apart from the poor <laughs> South African lady with the British BBC budget, just going, um, we, we we can't get you a hundred soldiers. You yeah. do know that, and we're just like, mm. oh, you know, mm. we're really joking. We're just putting jokes yeah. in the scene directions, yeah. really because we know we're going to end up with fifteen but, that we've all seen before. I think we I think we worked out very early on in our career not to put jokes in the scene directions. When we got into trouble, we wrote something about we were writing dance energy house oh, yes. party. Yes, we, we wrote links for Normsky. Yeah, yeah. Job. And he was a very nice guy, Normsky. And we uh, and we wrote some joke about boys to men. We wrote something like, <laughs> and we just and we wrote something like Normsky talks to boys to men. They say that stuff that, that those bands do, or something like well, that. They describe their music in some way. Bands that would do that kind of thing and it, was, it was something quite dismissive boys to men the consummate professionals yeah. to, to actually had a line to describe their music you know, the, and, the, but it ended up in the script yeah. and it was shown to boys yeah. to men and we and never then, did that again that's, that's, we, that's, just that's felt like we realised oh there's no one whose job it is to take those out yeah. and also and we realised we weren't really <laughs> pros yet we were, we were very young we were about yeah, 22 in the, in, the, in the last ever episode of Bluestone I think we had a scene direction saying um, oh well there is there is the loudest explosion that we can afford. <laughs> I think it's like because the budget right. will be gone by then. Yeah. So whatever's left, let's just blow it up. Well, that's one of the things that you learn in television is that uh, sound effects are quite cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, off-screen explosion—that's easy. That's, yeah, that, that's why so many car crashes in sitcoms happen off-screen. Absolutely. And then, you, but the aftermath, so the aftermath of a car crash is easy because you just—it's static. Yeah, you just drive the car up to a hedge and say it's crashed. And and someone is is coming out with a bloody nose, yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, then you're all right. And also, to be honest, someone reacting to a car going off the road is funnier than actually mm. seeing a car going off the road. By and large, yeah. I mean, let's face it: is the Blue Brothers is that funny <laughs> when they crash? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's actually really funny. funny. You're, don't don't say that the car chase in the Blue Brothers <laughs> isn't funny. It's hilarious. I think they're still paying it off, aren't they? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think that is the most expensive movie of all time. Um, thank you very much for being with us. I oh, think time flies. Time it? does fly when we're gassing. Kevin looks I like he's about to share some system there. <laughs> no, I can just, just assure line. listeners we will not be here in two weeks' time. They won't be here. You won't be coming back in two weeks' time. <laughs> what, you just don't want us back. You can. Day, you can bang at the door if you want, but we're not going to let you in. Right. So you can forget that. Um, thank you. It's been really good fun. Thank, thank you very much for thank dropping you. in. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Katie, to our producer. Thank you, Katie. And thank you to Rushforth Media, who put up with us uh, taping this thing in their offices. Thank you to Jane Watkins for our theme tune, which I believe will be starting round about now.